give it up for the worship team, those online, just, you know, I just, I echo what Janie says almost every week. We, we're so honored just to pastor uh, Grace Church. It's, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's not without its trials and tribulations, just like everything else, you know, uh, but it's a good time and we enjoy uh, the people. We pray for you daily. Janie and I do a devotion every day. We're going through a really cool devotional now. Uh, just through the, the names of Christ, and and uh, after the end, we pray for, we call out people by name, we pray for them by region, we uh, we pray for different ones, uh, just that the Lord would just protect them and shield them, heal them, just all kind of stuff. So, uh, God is good. God is really really good, all the time. God is good, and that's the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And we'll talk about that today. Uh, a disclaimer. Before I, because I have a lot of people that watch in the Midwest, okay? A lot of family members and friends. So disclaimer, I was born and raised Roman Catholic, all right? We're going to talk, this is the day of Reformation. So I want you to know if you're here and you have that Catholicism as a background, or if you're watching online and you still go to the Catholic Church, we are in no way, shape, or form against any God-fearing denomination. Are you with me? We are for all people. We are for people who love God, who want to chase God, and we're going to chase God together, all right? So that's, that's the first thing. I went to a parochial grade school for seven or eight years and through the eighth grade. I know the sacraments and the commandments. And, and listen, my spiritual disciplines were born in the Catholic grade school and the Catholic church. I mean, some of it was a little bit more mandatory than I would have hoped, but it made me a better follower of Christ. And many of my Catholic brothers and sisters who still attend the Catholic church find Christ there. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, although sometimes Catholicism or Methodist or Episcopalian or Lutheran, sometimes they have different ideals, you know, so do Pentecost or Baptists or Evangelicals or Charismatic. We don't, none of us have a finger on the, the whole exact thing. That'll be when we get to the other side. We're very relational. And when Janie and I uh, went into full-time ministry, one of the things that we said we would do, we wouldn't be in a, uh, it wouldn't be traditionally religious, and it wouldn't be a charismatic legalistic. It would just be a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're all on the same team. We're moving forward. Amen? But we are going to talk about the Reformation today. It's important because I think the Reformation really brought reform. It started the Protestant protests, which I don't necessarily love that because we're not, we're not protesting anybody who loves God and follows Jesus, all right? We're protesting what may be our requirements other than grace, right? Grace starts this thing off, and so we'll talk about it a little bit more in that realm. So we're not protesting, but the, the Protestant movement uh, was a reformation on the Catholics that maybe it became a little bit too man-led and not God-led, and that's it in a nutshell. And so, But I think it also reformed the Catholic Church. If you go back in history, okay, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope, they basically own the world. They, whoever has the money has the power in, they, in a civilization. They had all the money. They had all the power. And so kings and queens would line up with them. That brought on the reform from Martin Luther. Now, tomorrow's All Saints Days. And if you study any of the saints of the, peop the people uh, that have gone past, our two sons, Marcus and Andrew, not having been born and raised Roman Catholic, know a lot about the saints. The saints were dynamic people. Like St. Patrick was in the was a dynamic missionary to Ireland. Uh, St. Uh, Francis of Assisi was uh, born into wealth. I mean, he was his family was of the richest in the land. He forsook all, went into the monastery, became a monk, and just devoted his whole life. And so, amazing, amazing thing. St. Nicholas, the same, same thing. His family was the wealth, wealthiest in the land. He took the wealth. All right? And then gave it away. That's where we get St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, all that stuff. He, he gave away to needy people, much like Little Red's food truck does. Just goes out and feeds people. And it's a heart of ours because we've done that in this community for the last 13 or 14 years. And so uh, we're going to talk about the Reformation. It is a little teachy, but you need to know the history behind it because it's not an us against them type scenario. You need to know that. We're not against 
any other uh, religions that preach Jesus, okay? Uh, we may not agree. We may all be on the same page with some of our, our friends that go to other denominational churches. But if they're preaching Jesus, they love God and the Trinity, we are all on the same team. Amen? All right, praise God. So let's go to Matthew 10 and 16. We're going to read a few scriptures. I'll pray and then we'll, we'll break it down. Behold, this is Jesus speaking. I am sending you out as sheep in the middle of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Really what he's giving here are two of the traits of the Holy Spirit, okay? Wisdom and innocency. Innocency would be uh, born out of humility, okay? And so it doesn't mean that you aren't shrewd. Uh, uh, wisdom brings a lot of us to, to maybe make you a good business person or a good mother or father or someone who understands. And there's many times in uh, our life, mine and my wife's, when our kids were younger, the Holy Spirit would, would speak to Janie and like, hey, we need to go check on so-and-so in college or we need to go make sure that they're where they're supposed to be. And not that we didn't trust them, all right? We trusted our kids with everything uh, that, we, uh, that we are because we felt like we raised them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom as needed. Parents, please allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life, to grow in that wisdom. And then the innocence of Dove is really a humility. This is something that I think an outlander, which we're talking about, has in their life. They're, they have to be like an outlander isn't a rebel that causes riots. An outlander is someone that is wise, okay, and then operates in the innocency of Jesus Christ. Christ was an outlander, the largest, biggest outlander of all. He came to change things, okay? And the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violence they take it by force is a metaphor on this scripture on how we can operate with wisdom and operate with innocence on how we can reach our neighbors, family members, and friends. It's not like I used to do, try to pick up the Bible and use scripture against them. Well, you're not living this way, this way, this way, or this way, because grace is in that way. Then you become just like those who are opposed to a grace-filled gospel and saying, no, we've got to do this. There are certain things that we have to do after we surrender our hearts to the Lord. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's go then over to uh, is it Joshua? Let's go to Joshua 24. This is kind of a staple scripture. Joshua's at the end of his life. He's going to die. He knows it. And then he, but he's saying, hey, the scriptures preceding this, the, the, the church, the people of Israel had started getting out of hand. They're starting, they got restless. And Israel's always been restless with God. It's like God just needs to be there 24-7, 365. He is, but they didn't know that. And so they didn't receive that. And so Joshua's getting to the point, hey, it's, it's about over. My time is near. You go ahead and, and do what you need to do, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So he says, now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Again, wisdom and innocence, okay? Put away the gods, small g, that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Seems pretty well done. By the way, whenever you see the Lord capitalized like that in the Old Testament, all, all capitalized, that's a tetragrammaton, which means that the Lord is present. Like we would recognize, we're going to take communion here in a little bit, that the Lord is present. We don't believe in transubstantiation that it turns into the body and blood of Jesus, but it represents wholly the body and blood of Jesus. And this is, this is our tetragrammaton, okay, in the New Testament, that it's this wafer and juice that we drink and take is a representation of the manifestation of God. So, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you do dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hobby Lobby's made a lot of money on that statement. <laughs> Many of you probably have a sign in your house. We do. As for me, I have it in my office upstairs, but as for me and my house, with a picture of our family, and it's, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That word will is choice. We choose to, or we make ourselves. It's, it's enduring. It's a venture. There's, there's work here. Now, Joshua was putting forth. Joshua was an outlander. Joshua was a, a someone who was passing through. There's more for this. There's, and it's kind of like the, I love the, the church song, too, that we, that we sang. It's like, 
this is the church, and the church said amen, so be it. We, we need to be the church. We've been the church, but I think we continue to grow as the church. And then Joshua was leading this army. He was a slave for 40 years. He was a, he was a wanderer for 40 years. Now it's his turn. He's been in the land. He's killed 33 kings, over 39 battles. I mean, it wasn't like it was just given to him. He, he was given to him, and then he took it. God said, that's your land. Now go ahead and take it. And he fought all those battles. Now let's go to Judges, the second chapter, verse number six for a moment, because it just has a, a horrible ending. Because I, I was telling Janie the other day about this verse, and she started to, to cry. So it's kind of like your, your dad pouring, getting poured into by his dad, and then uh, in, a, in a ministerial way, and then, and then him pouring into you, and us pouring into our kids. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, what happens when, when Josh? Joshua dismissed the people. The people of Israel went each way to his inheritance. Sometimes we like the blessing better than the blesser. Sometimes we look for the possession rather than to be possessed by God in his spirit, okay? They went to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. In other words, we can't serve God just because of what he's doing. We serve God because of what he's already done through Jesus Christ. That's why if nothing ever works out, if never, no prayer ever gets answered ever again, Jesus is still on the throne and God's in glory. And we serve a God that does not fail. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him. So he was 30 years inside of Canaan's land, okay? And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in the Tinnath Ares in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And verse 10 is the one that will get you. Verse 10 is the one that will get you. It's really going to get you. There we go. And all that, it almost got me. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. One generation removed from that work, all those miracles, the plagues, the freedom, crossing over the Jordan River, setting up camp, all those wonderful things, conquering king after king and territory after territory and nation after nation were forgotten with one generation. Now, here's, here's, my, here's my thought. We need to be careful. This is the reason and the, the reason why churches meet on Sunday. It's good watching online. I'm glad you're watching. I'm glad you tuned in. Thank God for you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for tuning in. But one of the reasons why we come to church is because we need to lean on each other. We, we need to build each other up in the unity of faith, as, as Ephesians 3 and 13 says. We need to walk things out. We need to grab. And Luther and Joshua kind of understood that. They got it together. If Joshua is a type of Christ, which he was, and Christ is the anointed one, which he, he is and was, then Luther is the experience of what it looks like to walk out Christ. Now, not, not, be, not because he bashed the Catholic Church. He was against some of the things that they did. His 95 theses, which I've read, have not memorized. There's some high points in there that he says, like, no, wait, we, we shouldn't do these things. They, they both were, and I'll, we'll have a couple things up here, they both were outlanders and outliers. In other words, an outlander is someone that is, uh, they know they just don't belong there. Like, this isn't, this isn't a fit for me. But an outlier is someone who's just different, all right? They're, they're, uh, they, they look at things a little bit differently. Maybe they have a different angle. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't always make them right. There's just an outlander, an outlier. Christ was an outlander. We talked about that. Joshua was, was an outlander. And Luther, modern generation or, or uh, modern, you know, New Testament, past New Testament, post-New Testament, he was definitely an outlander. Now, again, 
maybe not everybody agrees with how he went about things, but the church today recognizes many, many things because of him being an outlander and an outlier. And here, here in these particular cases with Joshua and with Luther, they look at the same. They, they both were chasing after God and not trying to chase after man, even though uh, Joshua followed Moses. He didn't make Moses his God. We have to be careful in all the things that we do that we don't lift somebody up to the point of that they are more spiritual or more better, even though maybe they are deeper or maybe they have been in this thing a little bit longer. We know that there's there's God, the, the, the Almighty, the Father, and then Christ, his Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're set apart from everybody else, okay? Are you with me? That's important to know. This is what Luther was saying. This is why he, he, when, he when he nailed the 95 Theses on the doors at Wittenberg, he basically signed his own death wish. Now, the church did not kill him. He died uh, at 62 of some different diseases running through his body. In fact, he was even a little bit ornery, uh, a little bit angry. Uh, and sometimes that happens when you hit your 60s. But you can also mellow in an in older age, too. I, I still don't, like, I have a hard time asking for the senior discount. And Janie refuses to ask for it, so we just pay full price wherever we go. And she says, uh, I said, honey, they have a senior menu. We ain't getting it. <laughs> well, save us a few, minutes, a few bucks. We ain't getting it. We're not getting it. So, okay. So, but Luther, Luther was an, was an outlier. He was, he was an outlander and an outlier. I want know that because I think we have some outlanders and outliers here. You're, you're different, but you're different in a good way. Remember the scripture we started off, wisdom and innocence. That's important. It's, it's, we're not supposed to be outlanders to where we're rebellious or we start riots or we start, we're, we're to walk in wisdom and innocence because the Lord then will direct you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, they, they each recognize that faith and reason do not mix. This is another strong point because in uh, Catholicism, uh, having grown up that way, there, there's, uh, there's so many good things. Uh, they lean more towards works leads into grace. In, in evangelicalism, we would say grace leads into good works, okay? And so we know uh, scripturally and believe, I shouldn't say, so we believe scripturally, biblically speaking, uh, that, and Amanda quoted, uh, that we're saved by grace through faith, not that of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. Paul writes that in Ephesians, the second chapter. So it's not of works. Otherwise, what if, um, what if Matt or somebody or Marcus or, or Nicole or somebody or Jerry back there, what if they were better workers than me? Would that make them more saved? No. Because it's by grace that we're saved, right? So it's not of our talent or our ability. That was one of the problems with naming Saul the king. Was he was tall, dark, handsome? He was athletic. He was like, you know, in today's day, he would have been maybe Tom Brady or somebody. Hey, let's get Brady can lead us. He's he's gonna he's got seven Super Bowls. Now you might be a Brady hater. You might be a, a Brady lover. But just to compare, that's not what God wants. God's looking at the heart. God looks at all of our hearts. And so what is that? His son died so that every single person, color, creed, ethnicity, background, you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? It's a beautiful scenario that God presents to us. I have to go through a man, but that man doesn't exist today. That man was named Jesus Christ. He died 2,000 years ago. His tomb is empty. He's alive and well. Because he is, I can receive the work that he did. And now I've got my name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're, we're believers. It's that simple. But now here's where Catholics really get it. And sometimes Protestants don't. Then the work starts. 
Then we go buy a food truck, or then we go knock on 26,000 doors, or then we, then we go support Haiti, or then we pay off somebody's medical debt, or then we, then, we, then we become good husbands and good fathers, and then we become good sons and good daughters, and then we start doing our schoolwork on time, and then we, we show up at the football team and rally around and, 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 and encourage each player. Then we don't bring division, and we don't do all that strife. Why? Because Jesus Christ now reigns in my heart. He's Lord of my life, but now he wants me to get busy. It's like in our family growing up, there was eight of us kids. I'm the youngest. My sister Terry is the oldest. She watches every week. Sorry, Terry, for telling everybody that you're the oldest, but you're, you're, you're top shelf in our, in our book. You know that. And, but so we all had duties to do. I mean, we had jobs. I, one of my jobs for a while was to clean the bathroom around the house. And we only had one bathroom and 11 people living there. You want to clean that bathroom every week? And Janie saw how I cleaned. She said, that bathroom did not get cleaned very well. And I said, it did because my sister Terry would spot check it. She'd come in. Nope, Mark, you need to do that. Nope, Mark, you need that. We had duties to do, okay? Well, listen, when you become a Christ follower, you're going to have some duties to do. They may be helped uh, spur you on by a ministry in the church. It might be something the Lord lays on your heart. It might be something that you just feel the need or the call to, but you're going to have that. So, but when we receive Christ, it's all based on faith, okay? And there, it's hard to reason, like, why would Jesus come and die for me? Like, he doesn't know me. Yes, he knows you inside and out. He knows everything about you. Stop trying to reason it out. That's the beauty of those who are born and raised in Catholicism is faith is almost a natural. It's a spiritual discipline that just takes place. And it's almost hard to talk people out of it, okay? But then there's those that try to reason everything. Well, you got to prove it to me. The, the existence of God is not proven in the scriptures. God just says, I am. And, if you, and you need to believe that according to Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek after them. In other words, that the faith part, and now I can reason in Scripture. In fact, God told Isaiah uh, in the first chapter, the verse, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. It did not make sense for Joshua to lead an army of 680,000 men who lived in the wilderness for the last 40 years to take down 33 kings with their armor, with their fortresses. It did, but if he would have tried to reason it out like the other 10 spies did, then he would have been destitute as well. You can't always reason out how a healing is going to take place. Just pray for it. You can't reason out how a marriage is going to work out. Just pray for it. There is times where there would be wisdom and innocence. There would be reason. But Joshua and Luther understood faith and reason don't mix real well. Like, so if you're sharing the good news with somebody, and we have people on staff with their master's degree who are trained experts on how to reach people for Jesus Christ. We can line you up with them, okay? That if you are trying to talk to somebody about Jesus, the worst thing you can do is enter into a debate. Why? Because debates are based on logic and reasoning. And sometimes Jesus just doesn't make a lot of sense. God said in Isaiah 55 that his ways are high above our ways. His thoughts are high above our thoughts, but that his word, once spoken, will not return void. So all you have to do is start speaking faith into that situation. You know it's going to work out. It's going to happen. Things are, it's going to do. Ha, I don't know. I tried God before this and that. And I'll just, hey, can, would you mind praying? Do, do, can we pray together about that situation? How about if we just walk this thing out? How about, could I show you in scriptures where maybe the, the, the Lord is on your side? He's not against you. Just find a way where you understand that you can start introducing faith because that's the substance that God loves for people to operate in. The, the third thing then that we have they walked through is a community of, of praise. They brought a community of praise, praising God 
through the people, not celebrities. Now, I, you know, I say that because sometimes uh, in different denominations, I will say this because uh, Luther reformed against the Catholics. There's the Pope, there's cardinals, there's bishops, there's, there's uh, monasteries. I, Janie and I went to a retreat at a monastery two years ago. That monastery was birthed in St. Joseph, Missouri, out of uh, Germany, and for 900 years that monastery had not stopped praying 24-7, 365. They've always, so, like, that's a good thing. You know, we pray on the, the night before the last day. We have 24-hour prayer, and uh, Brian's got to send out an email so everybody's reminded on what time to pray and when to pray. And we have a hard time. We have some empty slots because some people just won't, they, you know, I ain't praying. You want me to pray for a half hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon? You crazy? So these guys have prayed for 900 straight years, and we want to pray one day a month. You see what I'm saying? What I'm saying, don't be lazy. Don't, let's not be lazy grace followers, right? Christ followers who love grace, let's not be lazy. That was a great place to say amen. Like that was, amen, pastor. Let's practice one time. Amen, pastor. Amen. One more time. Amen. amen. That's pretty good. I think some of you are holding back. He might be slightly offended. He wants me to pray. He wants me to give. Man alive. <laughs> that was partially a joke. Um, so Luther thought, and Luther thought it would be expressive for people to worship God in a community. Now, he didn't spur the church on. Jesus instituted the church. And, and this, there are people in the world today who love God, but they refuse to go to church. Like, I'm not going to go to church. I don't need somebody ruling over me. Well, that's, that wasn't Luther's plan either. The plan, Luther's plan was that they walk together and work together, and then we worship and praise together. Do you know when you enter into service and you decide, man, I'm going to praise and worship my Father, that strongholds are being broken right then and right there. Not only on you, but in other people in our church, people in our community. So we praise God, and the people praise God. So we're not looking at the Old Testament model where there's a great high priest who goes before God. Grace allows us all to go before God through Jesus Christ. It's really important. Again, grace first and then works versus works and then grace, okay? So, but we got to do the works after we receive the, the grace for it. And then they, he brought in the communion aspect of it. So in communion, which we'll take here in a minute, we're praising God and remembering then what Jesus did. We've had several instances. I'll just talk about one or two really quickly regarding communion which we're going to take. Communion, we don't believe in the transubstantiation. In other words, we don't believe the communion elements actually turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We believe they represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so there's true representation there, okay? There's not transubstantiation. Again, that was one of Luther's uh, early commitments was that he actually still believed in the transubstantiation. Then he came along later in life and said, well, no, I think when Jesus says, do this and remember it to me, that's what he was saying, the death, burial, and resurrection. But also when we take communion, there's life in communion. There's healing in communion. There's miracles in communion. Janie and I uh, pastored one other church before we came down here for seven years. And in that church, or I think it was our last year actually in that church, uh, I preached on communion, and we took communion at the very end, and there was one man who came up. He was full of cancer in his body, uh, and uh, he was going to the next day to start the whole protocol of, you know, uh, surgery and then, you know, the uh, radiation and chemo and all the things. And so uh, he came up and, and took communion, and, and I asked him, do you believe? That was simple. I mean, I didn't lay hands on him. We didn't have a 24-hour prayer meeting. We could have, maybe should have. He said, Pastor, I believe. I said, you know, there's healing and communion. And so he took the communion, and the next day, Jenny and I were doing some work because it was in the springtime of the year, planting some flowers around that around the house. And Jenny got a call uh, from his wife, and she was just hysterical. It was just like uh, she couldn't understand what she was saying. And finally, when Janie got her to take some deep breaths and calm down, her husband's name was Mark. She said, Mark is completely healed. They couldn't find any cancer in him at, at, at all, like, like nothing, nothing at all. 
And so they ran some more tests. You know, uh, the medical people did their, did their responsible thing, and they ran some more tests. And he went back two or three times, and they, he was totally, like, cancer-free. It's like God healed him through the remembrance of what Jesus died for, not only salvation, but for our healing as well, and for, and for the church to continue to do miracles. And then uh, my sister called, I think it was maybe five years ago, I think it was Labor Day weekend, we were doing another communion service, and we have some friends that through her uh, back in Omaha that Janie used to cut their, their, their hair, their whole family's hair, and the, the one boy's name is Michael, and Michael needed a new heart, and he was young, maybe 22 or 23 years old, uh, and he need, his heart was like gone, like failing. And they were lining up for a heart transplant, and they but they needed he needed, there were some qualifications he needed in this heart in order to get the transplant, to be able to stay on the list. Otherwise, they just sewed him back up and we're going to send him home. Well, so she said, hey, could you have your church pray? We're having different churches pray. And again, this is where there should not be any denominational lines because we're all praying to the same God, right? And we prayed we pray to God through Jesus. And so that particular Sunday, I remember I was standing right here. We stopped the service and we prayed for, we prayed for Michael and we, before we took communion. And I explained to everybody the miracle that he had need of. It was going to be, if it was a short surgery, they were just closing it back up and just going to send him home. It wasn't going to be able to have the transplant. But if it was a longer surgery, he would be able to, they had the heart right there at uh, UNNC Medical Center, which is the leading heart hospital in, in the world, America at least. And so, uh, long story short, uh, my sister, we prayed, Lord, just give him a new heart, all the, all the right things, you know. We're, and we stepped up by faith. And one of the things I asked the church to pray and still continue to do today is pray like it's your son. Pray like it's your daughter. Pray like it's your family member. It, may, it means a lot different. And our church did. Grace Church, I mean, it stepped up and they prayed like it was their brother or their, or their son. And my sister called me a day or two days later and the surgery was like 30 minutes, and which was really bad news. And they closed Michael up. And, and um, the, the, the mom and dad, as you would guess, were a little distraught. Like, what, what happened? And... and uh, and the doctor said, hang in there. Uh, he doesn't need a heart at all. And it's like, what do you mean? He said, well, the left side was, was like 100% strong and blood flowing through it. And the, the surgeon said, the right side of a person's heart goes however the left side is. Because the right side wasn't working. But, but the right side will follow suit, is what the surgeon said. And so the left side was good. They just closed him right back up. He didn't need the transplant. He didn't need a full-on documented miracle by the doctor. And, it was, and part of it was just the fact that people around the country stopped and prayed and believed God. And this young man got a heart. Now, two things uh, since then. One, we saw him last September at our nephew's wedding. And, like, he's a picture of hell, just, just full-on, like, no heart problems, no conditions know nothing. And Katie Kirk uh, from NBC heard about it, had the, his mom and him on the show to document the miracle. Now, can you give it up for Jesus? Because that's, that is just, that's, that's phenomenal. That, that's not like, that's the real deal. That's the God we serve, right? And so we, we praise God and we praise God or we stop and we pray for somebody or we believe or Janie's on her phone all the time praying for different people, Instagram or text them. Hey, here, somebody's got a need. Our staff is on their phone all the time. There's needs that go through and we're praying as a team and, and we're not just not praying, we're praying. We're, we, we make it part of our devotion. And so there's power not only in prayer, praise, but there's power in prayer, and there's certainly power in communion when we take this communion together in just a moment. And then the last but not least is they each brought catechism into, uh, into effect. And so catechism for the people. Catechism is studying God's word. Joshua said, now catechism freaks some people out because, oh, that's, that's really a Catholic word. No, it's really not. It's a, it's, a biblical, it's a biblical term, okay? Catechism is studying God's word, which, by the way, Joshua 
Joshua was told in the first chapter 7, 8, 9, hide this word. Take this word in. It's going to make you prosperous. It's going to make you successful. It's going to make you, it's going to make you a soldier. It's going to make you a warrior. It's going to make you, it's going to make you do warfare. And so we become then, if, we're, if we get God's word in our heart, in fact, David said, God's word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you're new to following Christ and you don't know where to start, start in the book of John or the book of Romans, okay? Read one of those two and just kind of read. Maybe don't start in Leviticus. Just let that, come back. Come back later and get Leviticus out of the way. But start in John or start in Romans and just start reading. And if, if, if a chapter is too long, uh, for those of you who do Facebook, just stay off Facebook for, for 10 minutes and read, read a chapter. Or no, no just, read a, just read a verse or two. Start with a verse or two and just really gravitate to it and, and get in. Andrew and Emily, our, our youth, young adult pastors, uh, they've been doing catechism with our young adults for the last year, year and a half. And again, at first, when he, when he said it, I thought, oh, man, how am I going to break him out of catechism. He, he wants to teach the kids catechism. But this is what Luther taught the church the Apostles' Creed. Luther taught the church the Ten Commandments. Listen, they did it in Roman Catholicism, but he brought it into the Reformation. And he said, wait a second, you need to learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer and not have someone pray it for you, but continue to pray. Continue to be able to, uh, Luther is one of the reasons why we have hymns in church. He wrote some of the early hymns. Come on back, uh, worship team. He wrote some of the early hymns. And so we have some of these things because it's reformed. Now, again, that doesn't mean that other mainline denominations are bad or out of order or disrupted because there's uh, good people in all senses of the, of the word, okay? When we recognize, when we recognize, wait a second, that first I love God, his son Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, that grace is proficient for all people and sufficient. That's all we need. But then afterwards, I have a right. I mean, I can get healed. But I also have an obligation, a responsibility to work for the Lord. So stand with me this morning. We're going to ask you just a couple things before we uh, distribute the communion elements. Luther brought communion to the church as we know it. Hymns to the church as we know it. Prayer to the church as we know it. It's, it's, we're good. Thank you. Prayer as we know it. He brought all those things to the church as we know it. Okay, And so uh, he was an outlander. Christ was an outlander. But that doesn't make other people bad because we got to get to Jesus together. But if you're here today, close your eyes for a moment. Bow your heads. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you need a miracle, and maybe it happens through communion today, because Jesus is saying, remember those things I did for you. Remember those things I can still do for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What the work at the cross is for us today. If you need a miracle today, I just want you to raise your hand just right up and right down a mini sword. Thank you for those hands. You bet. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. That hand, you bet. Thank you for those hands. If you need Jesus today, why don't you just raise your hand right up and right back down. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. You bet. Thank you. God bless you. So I'm going to pray, first of all, for those who need Jesus. Then I'm going to pray for those who are, need a miracle. And, I'm, and it, does it happen through communion? I don't know. God doesn't always work the same way. That's the cool thing about God. He just does different things. But it may. And when we take communion, you're taking, you're taking upon yourself the remembrance of what Christ did for you. Healing was part of that. Relationship restoration was part of that. Re restoring and redeeming your soul to, to God in heaven was part of that. So, Father, we, we thank you, first of all, for those that raised their hand that just need a renewed commitment for you. We pray, Lord, that they would just speak those words out. Father, forgive me. Allow me to be uh, redeemed of my sins, my transgressions, and I receive you as Lord and Savior. And those that need a miracle in their heart, in their life, those that need a miracle in their, in their, in their body, those that need a miracle in their physical body or their relationships, Father, I pray even as we take communion as an act of faith, that, Lord, you will meet them right where they're at. We will see those miracles take place. We, we call those things out. We call them done. Father, in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. All right. Those who are giving communion out, can you come on forward and distribute it uh, through our congregation? Thank you. We're going to sing a song.
it's hard to clap with communion elements. So someone tells me, you know, someone said, Pastor, I'm Catholic. I, I'm Catholic too. Pastor, I'm Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal too. Listen, Jesus only has one church. And the word Catholic actually means universal. But again, we're not against any denomination who preaches Jesus, right? So what we have to know is as we take communion, one, we receive Christ and his grace, okay? And then we do have to work. But when we take communion, we're all taking it together worldwide, knowing that Jesus, you died for me, a sinner, and there's nothing I could do to equate to that redemption other than saying, thank you, Jesus, for receiving him into my heart. So Marcus is going to come, and he's going to bless the bread element, and then we'll take the, the uh, wine together. Lord, today as we ask you to, uh, to bless this bread that has been broken, but we remember the body that has been broken. Jesus, I thank you for your broken body that represents our healing, our freedom, and our salvation. So Lord, we ask that you'd bless this bread. Lord, I ask that you would heal the sick. Lord, I ask that you would set those free that are struggling in bondage today. Lord, that you would give us these blessings on earth, Lord, that we're asking for. Lord, most importantly, Lord, the greatest blessing and the greatest miracle of all. Lord, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our names that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we remember today your sacrifice and your suffering for us. Blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take it together. represents what Marcus just prayed. If you need a healing, if you need a miracle, if you need restoration, if you need redemption, that's what Jesus did. That's what we're remembering today. The blood, the cup, represents the blood that he spilled for you and me that covers our sin and we restore it. We're not getting saved again. We've already got salvation. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Remember that so that we're human, uh, so that we walk in humility, and so that we don't look down on those who have yet to receive Christ. That we go back to that very first scripture, we walk in wisdom and innocence. That if someone needs to know Jesus, the only way they might see Jesus is through our actions. That we help people that are poor or underprivileged, that we don't look down upon them, that we build them up in the unity of the faith and the love of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the cup, Lord, that covers, uh, Lord, that represents the blood that covers our sin, that when we get to the other side, Jesus will say, yes, they're mine, I cover them, he's our, uh, he's our advocate, so Father, I pray you bless this cup today, if there be any here that are struggling in any area, Father, I pray, Lord, that by supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, oh, Lord, you redeem them, restore them, and renew them, even those things in their lives, that Father, uh, may be physical, that need to we speak that, we call it, we thank you, Father, and Jesus said we pray. Amen. Let's take the cup together.
shout of praise. How many of you received that message today? That we are saved by grace through faith. It's nothing that we could do. It's everything that Jesus Christ did for us. Amen? Amen. And so I was uh, learning about an old hymn this morning. And it kind of sums things up by this. It says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Which is just a great reminder of something that Martin Luther and something that Jesus really wanted us to know. And that if you think you're good enough to make it into heaven, it's a reminder that we're just not. Nobody's good enough. But it's a really good reminder on the other side of things that if you think maybe you're just not good enough to get into heaven, the truth is we're not. <laughs> you know, we have nothing to give God except for ourselves, which compared to his glory is nothing. But that's all he asks for. Just give him yourself and, and hold on to the cross because it's really Jesus that did it all for us. Amen. Do you receive that today? Alrighty. Well, today is the last day of the month. It's the last Sunday of October. And uh, that means it's the last Sunday of Pastor Appreciation Month. So I want you to take a moment to express your appreciation to our pastor and Miss Pastor. Thank you guys so much for everything. Here's a little flower for you. And we put a gift, uh, a couple gift cards in the card for you. Thank you so much for all that you do. We know that it's not, it's never really easy to be a pastor, but I know that over the past year, uh, it's been not even easier. It's been harder. I can't say it like that. But anyway, as you guys leave here today, if you wouldn't mind, take a moment just to express your appreciation. Maybe send a text message or shake um, their hands and just say thank you because, uh, you know, that little bit of appreciation goes a long way. Amen. All righty. I just wanted to close the service in a word of prayer put a blessing on our pastor, but if you did uh, want to make a pledge to sign up to help Convoy of Hope, uh, then you can drop that in the offering bucket on your way out so that we can count on you uh, to give. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together in your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here in our midst because we have gathered together. So I ask that you just bless us today. Thank you for the time that we've shared, uh, just loving you. God, I thank you for the pastors that you have given to us, the shepherds, Lord. That I pray that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would give them faith, that you'd give them favor. God, that you'd give them uh, everything that you want for them. Hold them up, Lord, in the hard times and in the good times. Lord, I pray that you bless each person here today. Empower us with your spirit to do your will. Lord, that we can live it out and that we can share the grace and the faith that we have in you, Lord, with those around us. And I pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.